Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second Athena thank you so much for coming on mental health news radio thank you I really look forward to this opportunity spending time with you yes me too so your book walking between worlds a spiritual odyssey which is available on Amazon and booksellers and if it's not at a bookseller we love our local booksellers please ask them to order it um Athena Demetrios, and I would imagine that's Greek, right? Yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> my, my father came over from the old country. Gotcha. Well, I'm going to Greece for three weeks in August with another podcaster on the network by the name of Evelyn Ryan. She has a house on Corfu. Oh my God, I am so envious. <laughs> I've never been, and I'm so you are going excited. To have such a wonderful time. How wonderful is that? I know. I'm so. It's such a spiritual place for me. I've loved it since I was a little kid, uh, even though I've never gone. So I'm excited about that. <laughs> yes, and the first time I went and I saw, you know, the Parthenon, I just cried like a baby. I felt like I was home. Mm, where you were. I was, yes. I just, I loved everything about it. And I also enjoyed doing the Greek cooking. <laughs> well, tell our listeners a little bit about um, your journey with writing the book and what the book was about. All right. Well, I'll do a little backstory on it. The book took me approximately 28 years to write. Mm. And part of that was, of course, because I had some experiences that I needed to go through and grow through. But I was told by someone that I, I channel, uh, whose name is uh, Dr. Peebles, I crossed paths with him in 1982. And he told me, you need to write your life story. You need to write your journey. And Kristen, the thought of doing that was so overwhelming because my life has been peppered with so many highly unusual experiences, paranormal, just mystical, and again, walking between worlds. I see spirit physically, very, very physically. I help them cross over. And I've spontaneously gone back to previous lives 2,000 years ago into an in-between life. And <clears throat> Because of 
how highly unusual my experiences were, I would say the main theme, the main fear was vulnerability and feeling that, oh my God, if I write about this, what are people going to think? And I don't think that's unusual. I think that is something that many, many writers uh, confront. Absolutely. And so that was it. And then when I decided uh, to write the book, and I had uh, another experience that happened. I was in a, a mall in Los Angeles, and a very elegantly dressed, very a beautiful woman came up to me. And she was hmm, probably around 60, 65, and she shook a finger in my face. And she said, your life may very well become a film and a TV movie of the week, and you need to be writing. You could be helping millions of women. And when she said that to me, I went home and I took the manuscript out of the old metal filing cabinet and I blew the dust off of it. And I said to myself, if I was to die tomorrow, how would I feel about my life and the growth that I've obtained? And I thought, well, I feel really good. But I would, I would feel as if I was backing out of something out of fear. And so I said, out of hell with it. And I just I popped the cork and it just flowed. And that was, that, that was uh, a, a pretty much a turning point, a, a pivotal point with that. Now, let me go back, if I may, and let me give you a little bit of the backstory that led to the writing of the book and the, the decision to write the book. I came from a very impoverished background. My father was a Greek immigrant, and I would say he had no command really of the English language. He was a compulsive gambler. He was an alcoholic. He was a real showman. Uh, he was known to light $100 bills, um, or light his cigars with $100 bills. Uh, this was after he had inherited a, a huge fortune from, I had an uncle that was a Greek shipping tycoon. And my father, being a compulsive gambler, the money that uh, he received, of course, he gambled it away. And some of that was embezzled by employees because he really, he, he could barely, barely write his name. I mean, it would be like watching a little kindergarten or a child in kindergarten struggled to write their name. So he really didn't understand. He didn't, uh, uh, wasn't able to read really. And so in many ways he was illiterate with, you know, the English language. And my mother simply wasn't able to cope. I was born on the hills of them losing all that wealth. And I think it was the shame and the creditors that kind of drove him out of town. But my mother began to drink heavily because she just couldn't cope. There were seven children. And she took in a boarder and, uh, you know, really kind of in the, the guise of a, a boyfriend and a boarder. And he lived in the root cellar of our house like a troll. And so over a period of a year, I was repeatedly and very violently raped. And I had one very specifically clear memory mm. that I could only remember to one point. And then it was like watching a, it was like watching a television 
go-to snow. And so the effect that that had on me was uh, I became suicidal, very deeply melancholy in, in, in my teens. I didn't understand the source, but my childhood was just foggy. It was like I couldn't remember things that my siblings could remember. Hmm. And yeah, they would, they would say, don't you remember? And I'd say, no. And come on, you remember? And I'd say, no, I don't. And I really didn't. It was like uh, kind of swimming through fog. So there were great gaps with that. And then I had a child out of wedlock when I was uh, seven, 17. And that uh, certainly didn't work out. I don't want to give a spoiler alert away. And there's more about that in the book. But suffice it to say, with all of these unresolved issues from the uh, childhood rapes that I wasn't remembering consciously, except one, one memory very clear, I became, I, I became very uh, defensive. I pushed people away. I wouldn't let anybody close, really, including my, my daughter. And so, you know, it was a series of uh, more destructive uh, uh, relationships. I somewhat became a, a workaholic. But while in my teens, I began to have some bleed through from what I call other lives of some of the paranormal. I saw my father the night that we had buried him. He appeared to me. Uh, in the doorframe, and uh, come to find out, my mother saw him the same night. We didn't discuss that, uh, but a year later. But what that one experience did do, Kristen, is it it left me with the feeling there must be more. To there, there has to be, there has to be life after death. Because uh, in all honesty, I really thought God was a real creep if he existed for allowing this to transpire and to happen. Right. So when I uh, was 1979, which was my defining moment in life, absolutely my defining moment in life, I had three events that literally brought me to my knees. And it was as if everything that I had created had made a full circle back to me. And it's really, you know, what goes around comes around. I was so, so angry and so detached, so cold, but again, a, a workaholic. I was working for Revlon at the time, you know, in cosmetics. That was one area that, that I did find success. And so that event brought me to my knees and I remember saying, I don't know if you're out there, and I don't know if you exist, but if you are, you have to be every word that comes out of my mouth and help me reach my daughter, because if life hurts this bad, then the cause lies within me. And that was a defining moment. And at, at that moment, I had, a, I had two visions that were shown to me. One was a pool of what I would call a very filthy, dark sludge. And I knew that's what I had created in life. And the other was a pool of crystalline, beautiful, crystalline clear water. And mm -hmm. that was when I said, oh my God, I understand. What I understood was life had no choice but to come back and to bring to me 
a like experience of how I was treating life. That was the only way I was going to understand the cause of what I was creating and the effect. Now, I was yes, I, I know. I was not spiritually awake. I call that getting hit on top of the head with a cosmic hammer. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it yet? No, let's whack her again. And see right. Exactly. And let's whack her even harder. <laughs> and so, so what happened when I made that statement? Oh my God, I understand. There was a golden ray that came into my front room and dusted everything with gold. Everything was dusted with gold. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the source of it. Everything in my, I, I felt like I was on another planet. Everything was flipped upside down. And that was what I call my defining moment in life. My daughter had wanted to move away from me. She was 12, 13 years old, I believe at the time. And of course, at that point, I didn't want her to go because I felt like everything that was in my heart now that I was uh, a feeling, it was like this dam broke and I wanted that opportunity to make it up so bad, but I couldn't have it. And uh, which we have a very good relationship now. And so what happened uh, right after that was that um, I remember uh, I had sobbed myself to sleep and I found myself climbing into another dimension that uh, Kristen is more real than me sitting here talking to you. And it was so beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Contact with Jodie Foster, but yes. if you, do you remember that scene where she went to the other dimension and she saw her father? Yeah, she's on the beach and it's very sparkly yeah. and yeah. Yes. That's exactly what it was like, except mm. it was green. And you could see, you could see the energy move. Everything was full of life and uh, transparently, beautifully clear and alive and intelligent. And the colors were so vivid. It was so beautiful. And I had remembered, I, I felt like I was kind of hanging from a cliff before I could pull myself up. And I kept saying, I can't make it. I can't make it because suicide was something I, I really fought. And then I turned my head to the right and I saw my father and he was probably about 25 feet down, um, maybe 25 feet or so off. And, and he came up to me and I had not seen him since that night. He uh, had appeared in my doorway at the night that we had buried him. And he came up to me and he looked me in the eyes. And I can't, it's hard to talk about without bringing me to tears because there was so much love and there was so much compassion and there was so much understanding and, and his, his eyes were so filled with peace. And he just held me and it healed that questioning if he ever really did love me it was just like that was gone in an instant and there was all of this white light that just flooded through his heart or from from his heart through mine and then I found myself uh, sobbing myself awake it was really interesting but I brought that memory back and I thought where in the world was that that I went and Later that day, I was living in Los Angeles. I went to a little restaurant and I was sitting under 
this big picture and I remember thinking, where was it that I went? Where was that place? Because it wasn't of earth, where was it? Because I saw my father and I took a sip of coffee, put my head up and I was sitting underneath a poster of Edward G. Robinson and my father looked identical to Edward G. Robinson. So that was kind of the way spirit was working there. Hmm. Yeah, and so after that, it became a, uh, my metaphysical and psychic uh, experiences literally began tumbling over each other. And then someone gave me at that point, three books. And uh, he said, you're ready for this. And those books changed my life. And I'm still very deeply committed to those. And uh, those were the uh, Ascended Master Saint Germain teachings mm -hmm. that took place up on Mount Shasta. So I've been a very devoted student of those now for 40 years. This, all of this knowledge uh, that was brought to you through this, what happened, um, uh -huh. you, this was not even a part of your awareness before. No, it, uh, it wasn't, it, it, you know, it literally wasn't, but I made a decision. If you're speaking in reference to my childhood. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I did, you know, for, I, for a short period, I did see a gestalt therapist and I was seeing her three times a week. So that kind of lets you know what shape I was in, but she always tried to get me to go down some stairs and I would never do it. I just wouldn't do it. And there was a very wise part of me that knew it wasn't time to explore that yet. Dr. Peebles, the one that I crossed paths with, with whom I've been channeling now, Kristen, for 28, 28 years or so, I call him my mystical muse, love the doc. And he was the one who encouraged me to go back. He says, you're strong enough, your teachers, and I know you're strong enough to go back and look at this because he said, you need to see how you've tried to heal other people uh, from not healing your own pain. And I think that that can be very true of people that really want to take care of the bird with the broken wing. And that was me as, hard, as much of a hard hearted Hannah. There was part of me that, you know, wanted to fix people. Well, the one who needed the fixing was me. And so I did make a decision, Kristen, to explore this with a therapist. And I interviewed therapists. I was not just willing to turn this over to just anybody. Right. I don't think anybody is qualified you know, to do that kind of work. And because I was very defensive or my defenses were so strong, we chose hypnosis. And so Dr. Slavin uh, chose hypnosis, but what happened and probably because I also am a channel or whatever, I just went back so deeply. There's a word for it. And I'm not sure what that is, but what happened when I was under was that I would spontaneously time travel or go to some other lives. Um, I went to an in-between life when he had put me under one time and I saw, I was surrounded by these masters and teachers hmm. and they were showing me 
my life on this film strip. And they were showing me a family I was going to be born to and situations that were going to be very difficult and hard and trying. And uh, they were showing me, it was almost like these cement high rises would rise out of an individual frame that they rolled way out. And then let's say maybe it was 15, 10, 15 miles beyond that, another one would rise up. But I knew that was symbolic of a growth experience in my life. Ah. That's what it was. And then that, that state of awareness, that love and state of awareness with them was huge. It was very expansive. And then coming into the earthly experience felt like coming into mud. But what they showed me was um, how I could change in this life. They showed me what could be, and they showed me what might be, but it was all going to uh, be determined on how I perceived to grow from these experiences. That's what was carried in. Interesting. Yeah. How were your, you know, how, how were your relationships with the people in your life um, in terms of you being able to share what you were experiencing or what you had experienced? Well, when I, I, well, it's interesting. It wasn't necessary. I talked a little bit, I think, about it with my family. My sister, Judy, who I absolutely adored. Judy was my brightest light, my darkest night. She was one that I did communicate about that, uh, probably more than anybody else in the family. Uh, some people didn't understand why I was going back and digging it up. And I understood that, you know, I understood that. And I also uh, respected that. And there were perhaps a few friends uh, that I would discuss with that, but something what's very interesting is something told me when I started to explore that to take those sessions. So all of those uh, all, all of that is in the book, is transcribed from my sessions with Dr. Slavin. So those are in the book. So now, you know, with my siblings, and I have a great relationship with them. Good. Some of them are exploring, I think, in their own way, in their own, own terms. So. Hmm. So you had some support. So I know the people that I've talked to that have had these kinds of journeys, and, I, and I've had... Uh, one myself, um, you know, you you get mixed reactions. Some people exit your life pronto because they don't understand uh, yes. and they don't believe in it. And maybe they think yes. you're mentally ill. You're having a psychotic episode. I certainly thought that at the time. I thought, I actually said to the woman that um, was, you know, working on me when I had this kind of an experience, um, I sat up and I looked at her and I said, you know, either you're crazy I just had a psychotic break or we both did, but I, she goes, yeah, but how do you feel? And I said, I feel fantastic. And she goes, well, then who cares? <laughs> and I she thought, wise. right. <laughs> she was wise it, because, you know, I think when you're exploring anything like this and I gave myself over really fully to the process because I wanted to heal. I didn't care what I had to do because I, I felt like, I survived. I'm here now. I survived it. So let me go back and clean up that scar tissue. And so I was really willing to uh, wrestle the demon to the mat, which I did. 
And uh, so I, I feel good about that. But having said that, even when starting that uh, journey with everything that was tumbling over um, in my life uh, as a metaphysician and psychically, and, and I was waking up to so much, but looking back in retrospect, I don't think I was fortified enough with the light. And sometimes, you know, some of those doors open. And I, I call it, uh, you know, kind of bringing in the sludge of the underworld. And I, I think that uh, happened, you know, a, a couple of times with that. Uh, wasn't necessarily when I was doing that work with Dan, but it was a natural evolution of becoming conscious. Gotcha. Because there are these different realms, you know, that uh, the astral realm and so on and so forth. And, you know, I think sometimes uh, even fear can kind of catapult you. Absolutely. In some, some arenas, you know what I mean with that, right? Yes. And I, I want to ask you this, because this is something that happened to me as well. Um, another time that I was working with the same healer, um, I was going through a tremendously, tr probably one of the most painful times of my life. And uh, I was sitting with her doing a session and I kept looking at her hands and I mm. kept going, I kept thinking, gosh, did she dip her hands in coal or it looked like she had been singed. Like, like mm. her hair looked like it was singed at the ends. Her fingers looked like they were singed. They looked dirty. Like they had been in, you know, a fire, not burnt, yeah. but like, you know, that she had ash and finally, at the end of doing a session, I said to her, I reached up and I touched her hand. And I said, what did you put your hands in? And, uh -huh. I, and once I touched her hand, all that was gone. It was just her hand. There wasn't any coal or oh, ash or whatever. And I said, oh, my gosh. And I told her what I saw. And she said, well, honey, I was in the fire with you. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was a trip. Wow, I just got chills. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that's incredible. I had an experience that, oh my God, I, uh, it was absolutely fascinating. I, I've heard and I understand that uh, many times as a light presence that we are, that we are of service on those inner realms when we are sleeping in our body, right? And I remember uh, sitting up in bed. My sister had called who lives in Oregon and I sat up in bed and uh, before the phone rang, I said, oh my, something's wrong. Something is wrong. Something's terribly wrong. Just then my sister called and what had transpired as soon as I heard her voice, everything flashed in my memory of what transpired while my physical body slept. And I felt myself, uh, I could see myself coming through this wall, but my body was pure white light. And there was a man on his knees and he was clawing at his throat. He was trying to break the hole. There was this huge hole around him, mm. choking him. And he was trying to, trying to, desperately to break the hold. And my right arm just flew out, you know, just shot out. And there was light that came out of my, my hand. And I said, I am the light. You have no power. 
And that thing shriveled off and backed up. It just shriveled off. And then, yeah. And then right then I came back to my sister and her voice was just full of panic. And I said, Judy, what's the matter? And she said, I was sleeping. I was uh, in bed and she said, I heard uh, some choking and I got up and I found Ted on his knees choking on his vomit. Isn't that, doesn't that send chills up your spine? Wow. Wow. That, yeah. The, yeah. And it, it's so odd because when you're in the moment of that happening, you're in a different, you're, th- you're where you are, but you're also somewhere else. And, and then when you sort of come back to just being in this reality, yeah. you're, it's not uh, jarring. It's just kind of like, oh, you're, you're, you know, I, okay, now I'm sitting here. <laughs> Yes. And, you know, I've always said with that experience, because he did, he went into a coma, mm. you know, I flew up there. he was in a coma, but he did make it. And uh, things were divinely inspired, you know, as a, a result of that uh, and very transformed. But what I did carry back with me from that one experience was it is so easy to buy into the fear of this life. And that experience just showed me how powerful we are right in another realm and i need to remember that how and how that thing just backed off and became small we forget power. we yeah, forget we for, we really do yeah. uh, my friend you know the same one her name's martha so i'll just reference her as martha and our, my listeners know who she is too she's done some shows with me but um she, you know, she's always reminding me, uh, you know, that of that, that, you know, you keep creating these realities, Kristen. I mean, you understand that, right? So you're, you're feeling disconnected or you're, you're forgetting how powerful you are. (laughs) And she'll tell me, um, she'll tell me, remember to say, what if, just to sort of break me out of the creating of a reality I don't like what if everything worked out the way that that was to my advantage what if I had this or what if I had that because she she always says the universe loves questions they don't doesn't want you to figure everything out Um, that's its job Uh, the doing of it it's its job your job is to just know that everything's going to work out the way that it's supposed to so start saying what if and the minute I do that things start opening up I love that. I'm going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I use it all the time. I'll say if I'm in a mode where I feel like I'm really not being nice to myself, I'll say, what if you deserve to really uh, care about yourself? What if you, what if you deserve to, um, you know, have a, to be responsible with finances or whatever is going on, you know, I'll, 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 I'll put those statements out. What if, what if, because yeah, you're putting those questions out so that something can be created and it's you getting out of the way of the creation yeah. of things because you're a creator. <laughs> absolutely. You know, absolutely. And that certainly has been the whole journey with uh, the St. Germain or it's just waking up. Right. To- being a self-conscious creator. Like, my God, what a joy. Oh, that was the other thing that she said to me. She said, yeah, we, you know, we don't come here to muck around. If you choose, if your spirit chooses to come here and experience it being human, you're a warrior. And because this is tough, 
this is not, you know, there are things for you to learn. You do not, this is not, this is not jumping through daisies every day. You can have those experiences, but you really come here into this human form to evolve, 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 and to really grow. It's tough here. So she says, and your price of admission is amnesia. Wow. Isn't that great? Mm -hmm. And it's true because you started to remember things. I start to remember things, see things beyond what this is. But we, even knowing those things, you still, in a nanosecond, can be right back in that very human experience of, damn it, that car just freaking yeah, on my tail, and my neighbor they gave me a funny look, and my yeah. kids did it up, and you, you just go right back into this very human experience. Oh yeah, and it's, it's interesting Siri. to walk in those two worlds, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. I know Siri will get me there, and I I start laughing. I said, "How evolved am I?" I remember I was. This was just a couple of months ago, and I said, "You know, call call Val Val Devereaux." And you mean Yvonne Allen? And I said, no, call Val Devereaux. And you mean Yvonne Allen? And I said, Siri, you're really making me mad. And uh, anyway, she says, you need to take a deep breath and relax. I can't even begin to tell you <laughs> how I felt when she said that I almost threw my cell phone out. And I thought, you know what? You're arguing with the piece of software. <laughs> but it's still energy. Yes, it is. But uh, yeah, she's, I'll, I'll argue with her. And that's how spiritually evolved I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it comes in, it comes in interesting forms. It comes through people, it comes through animals, it comes through your dreams. It's I, I feel I tell you how I feel much of the time. Um, now, I feel odd, for sure. I just I feel like I'm very much an odd human being and that people really don't know people that are very disconnected from this kind of a spiritual life or this kind of spiritual experience uh, either are afraid or they don't understand or something. So I just tend to be very quiet around them. But um, so when you have these kinds of experiences, for me, I, I can't go back and be different. Uh, these these things happen, whether it was psychosis or not. It happened, and it means something to me, and it makes my life a more enriching experience to believe that they are true. So I do, and I definitely feel sad for people that I don't. I don't get how you can go through your life and not have a belief in something powerful like this. It doesn't have to be the same experience we had, but to have that knowing that there is this other place, that there's so much out there that we can't see. I don't, I feel really bad for people that literally just think that this is it. You go into the earth, you die, the worms crawl in, the worms crawl out, and you're done, and there's nothing else. And that's, that it's so flat. I think, oh my God, what a rough experience that must be. Well, that, you know, it's interesting you put it that way because I'm completely identifying with that as a young girl. I mean, the night that I, that was my whole experience of what was God. And I just didn't think that presence, whatever it was, existed until the night I saw my father in the, the doorway. And again, I, I see them like Patrick Swayze and Ghost. That's how clear I see spirit. 
And, but that's what I was thinking prior. But even as a little kid, two years old, now there's the flip side, looking at the stars, feeling homesick and wanting to go home and not knowing how to get back. Mm. That was my first memory of, and I, I remember everything about it, just felt like millions of miles away. And I just wanted to go home, but I didn't know how to get there. Right. So yeah, that was that. But yeah, flatliners, right? Right. Exactly. I think about it with my son, you know, he's so practical. And so nope, this is what it is. And it's all about the car or the house or the, you know, how much money someone has or that. I mean, he goes into, you know, deeper places too, but he doesn't live there for very long because they're not popular places to be in terms of our society. So uh, it's, you know, it, I just go, oh, I hope you have something happen that lets you see so see so much that you can't deny. Yes, you know, I, yes, I had probably one of the most magical experiences of my life a couple of years ago. I've underscored it as uh, really probably the most magical, but I was next door talking to a neighbor and I looked down and there was this sweet little bird staring straight up at me. Wasn't afraid of me, didn't flutter a feather or whatever, you know, and, so I bent down and I was just talking to this little bird and I just was saying something like, you know, you're such a little messenger of light and you bring so much joy to the planet and I love you. And so I talked to it like that for about five minutes. Didn't, did not, I mean, his, that little beak was vertical. And uh, so I reluctantly, I came back to my place. I uh, live very close to the neighbor there and I have a screen door that shuts automatically and I, Came in and maybe 15 minutes later, I sat down in my chair that I meditate in. I looked down and that bird was at my left foot. He had followed me in the house. And I can't even, oh my God, I cannot begin to tell you the feeling in my heart. It was just like this expansion. I, I've never felt that feeling in my heart. It just opened up. And I made a perch out of my finger. I bent down very, very slow, put it right next to the carpet. He hopped on, brought it up very slowly. Eye level, we talked again. And then about 10 minutes later, I walked outside. I have a little tiny bird bath and I filled it up with water. He sat on my finger. There's two witnesses, my sister and the neighbor were standing back. Yeah, he had the cutest little hair. I, I called him Lyle. He looked like Lyle Lovett because his little, uh, he had this little black top notch. But <laughs> anyway, he was so cute. But I uh, set him down on that bird bath after I filled it up and he, you know, skidded across the water and three or four times and splashed water like crazy, flew off, and I've never seen him since. How do you get back to that place where you feel that again? Because you know what happens. You get involved in life and you get you start to forget. I forget to do the what if stuff. I get caught up in what it is to be human. And, and I, I find myself, you know, needing to sort of, I, I got to find ways to get back to feeling, to being open to something like the bird you're talking about. I got to get back to that space. So how do you do that when you, when you realize you've meandered way too far into the, you know, walking in the human world and you've sort of, you know, forgotten a bit about everything else. How do you get yourself back there? Because it feels so good to be there. It does. And for me, it is making the time to meditate. Mm. And that 
that will, because I can always feel it when I don't. When I do meditate, and there's affirmations that I do that, you know, St. Germain certainly uh, gives. And so I've been doing those for years, and affirmations build momentum. And it's like you with your what if, which I absolutely love, because it's really like you're leaning into possibility. Yes. And I love that. That's so rich. So I, you know, I have little notes around here, but I do, I, I have an altar that I made and it's in my uh, living room. And so I will, I, I see that. So that reminds me, you know, you need to get in and do your meditation because I feel more peaceful afterwards. There's a synchronicity and a seamlessness that begins to happen. And you, I find dovetailing with people of like mind maybe i'm thinking about something it's given mm -hmm. to me a gift so there's this wonderful and beautiful synchronicity now i also want to say something real quick that saint germain says he says if you bless the powers of nature the powers of nature will bless you back yeah and so that's, you know, that's one of the uh, experiences. And then there was also a whole time period where I would see tree spirits, but that, that was when I was uh, taking walks at night and I would reach my hand out and I would just say, God bless you and touch the bark of a tree and a bush or anything like that, which was within hand's reach. And then one time I felt this electrical current because I always get a current that goes through my body before I see spirit or the frequency changes. And this uh, uh, current just shot up my arm and I turned around and said, whoa, what was that? And I turned around and this tree was just shooting off this beautiful aura mm -hmm. in recognition of the blessing. And so that's in the book too. That, that's you know called the crow that likes yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> So there was a whole whole series of that, but it, it takes conscious effort. Right, to, to, to get there. Yeah. And you're right, you have to be around people. There's another woman that is wonderful. Uh, her name is Nancy Dannison, and she had a near-death experience. And she, when I was telling her about Martha, she uh -huh. said, oh, she's a signal booster. Oh, don't you love that? And I went, ooh, it gave me, it just even saying it right now, I get a chill because she says, you know, you're one too, Kristen, and you obviously, Athena, are one also. And that is why you have to go be with nature or be other with other like-minded people because they're, you got to be around another signal booster because they'll help boost your signal too if you're feeling kind of like I'm far away from, you know, uh, from that place that helps me get through being human. <laughs> No, no kidding. And you know, they're, they're kind of like our tribe. Yes, very you much know? so. It's, it's like you start to find your tribe. And, you know, people that this conversation is very, very comfortable with. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That aren't going to think twice about what you're saying. They're going to shake their head up and down. They get it. Um, they're going to tell you something they experienced and you both go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I actually had a friend uh, come up from the Bay Area here for a couple of days. And we had this great, we always have these wonderful conversations, but I decided to cook in the house because going out to a restaurant, if people heard the conversation, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure you can relate to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. So it's like, let's, you know, let's just stay here and we can, you know, it's just 
we could, we could so bring out the sage and we could chant and do whatever we want. No one's going to think yeah, we've no, lost no, our no, rocker and no, call no, the paddy no. wagon. <laughs> well, he's over here playing the singing bowl and right. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it, you know, it's really wonderful when you, you uh, meet up with people like that. But I do, I do have, you know, there, there is a group. I remember um, being, when I was working in the uh, film industry and, you know, spirits sometimes would appear uh, to help cross them over. And uh, that happened right when we were filming. Hmm. So things like that, you know, they're always a, a challenge. And Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've never experienced anything like that where I've seen a spirit or uh, that I'm aware of. If I do, it quickly goes away, but I... Oh my God. You know, um, this was about maybe six weeks ago, and I'm going to say this is the second most magical, but I saw my father. I had gotten up around two o'clock in the morning, and uh, uh, I went, you know, went back to bed, but then I saw my father in the room, and he was, oh my God, the excitement that I felt was so amazing, and he held me again. He gave me this hug, and I could feel the weight of his hands and the warmth of his hands. And Kristen, if he walked through this front door, you could not tell that he was not in this physical plane. That's how wow. solid he was. Yeah. And, uh, and it was incredible. And I'm not sure exactly what his meeting was about. I just have a feeling it had something to do with, you know, this is, this is your time. I know that uh, once under hypnosis, I had remembered what my father had said uh, when I saw him that time over on the spirit side. And he said, it's not your time to come over here. Mm. You have to, or you have to go back and be in the body. He said, you're about to come into your power as a spirit. And he said, continue to pray. It's going to be given to you. And that was the three books um, by St. Germain. Interesting. Uh, yeah. And I think now, all these years later, it was, uh, it's okay to get out there and not to feel afraid to own it. Right. I know yeah. as you get older, you start not giving a shit. Yeah, anymore. yeah. <laughs> isn't that the case? It's like, yeah, who really cares? <laughs> I think my, you know, I don't know what my neighbors think of me and that's me being judgmental of of them where, you know, and I move a lot. So I mean, neighbors and wherever I've lived, not necessarily who I'm around now, but you know, I, I always think, Oh, they must think I'm weird or I make them uncomfortable or whatever. And who really knows, you know, who, who yeah. really knows? Well, you, you never know because sometimes you can plant a seed and you don't even know it. You know, sometimes I think absolutely your light I think your light uh, can almost uh, ignite something within them. And everybody's time period is different when they wake up. Or it's kind of like when the light hits the rock. Right. So. And, and people wax and wane. I mean, I, someone that really gets into uh, where you're at and they feel and, and they're in a, a place where they can receive it and have their own experience and they may have family come and visit them and then they get thrust back into 
another mode of being in order to handle what could be a very stressful human situation. And they are not going to connect with you at those moments. They almost have to be away from you at those moments to deal with what they've got to deal with and to not take that personally and know that they will eventually, you know, once they're out of that situation in life, that, that they may come back and, you know, ha- you'll have that connection again. Those are things I think you learn with age to sort of ride through without panicking. That's, you know, that's true. I have, um, I have a, a friend who I see struggle with, um, she struggles really with organized religion. And, and that's okay because, you know, whatever someone's attracted to, they're attracted to for a reason. It's feeding their soul with whatever it is that they need. So I have great respect for that. Yet again, she will, when I say to me, God is nothing but pure love. It's all it is, pure love. No judgment, just love, you know, source energy, just love. And I, I can see that internal struggle go on. So sometimes she'll come over and just spend some time and you never know what people Exactly, you don't know. Some you don't know what people receive or why they're even brought into our pathway exactly. at time. Exactly. There's so much going on that we, it's so ignorant and so arrogant to think that it's just what you see with your eyes. Yes. And here's a great affirmation. I love this one, Kristen. Um, I am the presence that sees all things visible and invisible. Mm, I'm writing that down right now. Nice one. Love that. Yeah. And uh, they build momentum. They build momentum. Mm. Affirmations do, but yeah, that's a that, that's a wonderful one. So I've been doing that one for years, and I'm sure that's one of the reasons why I see spirit as clearly as I do. You know, and uh, I love it. But to me, it's normal. Yeah, and I think everybody has a, a different way that they experience that. Like I tend to see things in when I'm meditating. Only I uh-huh. feel things, or I get intuitive hits of things. Oh yeah. Uh, that's sort of my way where people go, really, you felt that? Yes. And that's like my way of seeing, I guess, is that that intuitive hit or so it, it, you're still experiencing something profound. It's just your mode of being able to do it is a little bit different than somebody else's. <laughs> yes. But the, um, the feeling nature is that's a very powerful one when you're feeling like that or or even as a uh an intuitive because i get very strong feelings and you called it a hit that's what i call it too i get these hits on things and so i've really begun to trust that and i think that's a i i think that's Hmm, that that's very expansive when you're working with the feeling world like that and then Maybe couple that with that. Uh, I am the presence that sees all things visible and invisible. Mm, I'm going to start saying that. So who knows what all. That's good as you lean in, right? Yes, exactly. You lean into it and you have to remember. I have to remember constantly to go, oh yeah, okay. Whatever doesn't belong to me, leave Uh now. Yes. And so whatever energy, feelings, whatever that may have been, you know, floating around from somebody else. Right. And I have to put sort of a myself in the house I live in in a little bubble of protection 
or just a little bubble of safety. And I have to remember to visualize doing that. Um, and you know, and then I feel like I can become more centered because I'm not carrying around a bunch of other people's stuff. Cause it's so, I mean, especially if somebody touches me, if oh, yeah. I can feel it in the air, I can feel it through, they could be hundreds and thousands of miles away. I can feel it anyway that way. Like I have a friend in New Zealand that we both are so connected that mm-hmm. if I'm upset at all, he immediately texts me and says, what's going on? And same with him. Right. But you, but if someone touches me, uh-huh. it's like a direct freaking download. <laughs> wow. So I just am very careful about like who I give hugs to and stuff because, or I'm very conscious about, okay, you're giving a hug. Remember, you might have to be like, okay, some, some stuff may need to leave. Just remember that. Don't keep wearing it around like a coat and you don't know why you feel so heavy. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, well, you're, pro- are you an empath? Yeah. Oh God. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's good to be working with the light and mm-hmm. working and, and putting that around you. There's a great little affirmation I'd love to share with you too. Absolutely. Okay. I feel like I've hijacked your show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. No, this, <laughs> this is fabulous. Um, I am sealed in a tube of white light. Mm. Okay, and that will continue to build and get stronger and stronger. And and if you put your arms out, okay, just maybe put your arms out and then just see that tube coming down and coming down from your God presence, uh, your, uh, you know, your, uh, the master within and your presence above you. And you can just seal yourself in that nice. and that will make a difference. That will make a difference. And one of the other things that I do is I establish, you know, violet is such a beautiful purifying energy. Absolutely. So you can also establish a pillar of that in your home all the time. Just establish, you know, a pillar of violet in your home. That's lovely. Mm Mm-hmm. And to see it saturating the walls, see it everywhere. And you can do the pillar of light. I am the, you know, the pillar of light. Mm. And I always want to add to that forever self-sustained, self-sustained, self-luminous and self-expanding. And that makes it a permanent thing. Mm. Self-sustained. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's, I do work with people and that's my joy. Now I love to inspire people um, when they're looking to connect inwardly. So that's a great joy. And I do private sessions all the time Mm -hmm. with Dr. Peebles and they can explore that on the website or contact me through the website. And Dr. Peebles, uh, he's wonderful. He has a spiritual umbrella that he works with with people. And it's um, the first principle, there's three principles, loving allowance for all things to be in their own time and place, starting with yourself. The second one is increased communication with respect to all life, starting with yourself. And the third one is self-responsibility for your life as a creative adventure, where it says never in your soul 
are you the victim? You're always the creator. That's his book. Isn't that great? Oh that's my gosh. His, I know. Isn't that wonderful? So that's his spiritual umbrella. And so when people call and I do privates, I record the session. I don't, I don't have to, they do not have to be in the same room. He accesses that. And he's very, very strong with, um, well, let me just back up. Usually when people feel like they're kind of hanging from a cliff or they're moving into the black hole or whatever, or there's a lot of transition, a lot of change going on in their life. That's when my phone rings. And usually people are beating themselves up, feeling like they're not enough, right? Well, he's always telling them, you know, the black hole is the point of creation. And so many times, you know, he's, you know, high-fiving them or congratulating them because they're moving into a space that is going to promote growth. And so he's going to help them with that. He helps them understand what he calls illusions of separation, you know, from our God self or higher self, uh, the master within. And, you know, those are always around the judgments. And so he works with people in a very private way and many times issues come up that may have a point of reference in another lifetime and what's really cool is that he he accesses that and i'm able to see it's like going into a movie theater and seeing a past life come up on screen so i get to see that the rest of the communication with him is like going into um a very deep, deep daydreamy state. It's like right now, Kristen, I'm talking to you, but when the doc comes through, the doc as I call him, it's like I go hang out in the closet and shut the door in the back of the house. Okay. And he, he fills the space up. But he's he's got a great sense of humor. And uh, you know, he's always saying wonderful things like the, the greatest courage in the world is the courage to care. Mm. And uh, he said, the greatest disease on the planet is not AIDS and it is not cancer. It's loneliness. Yeah. So he works with people in a very private way. And, you know, if, if anyone is interested, they can uh, contact me through the site. Mm. And, and what's, your, what's your website so people can do that? It is I A M I M within.com. I am. Oh. Within. Wow, you got a good one. Didn't I? <laughs> I mean, seriously, how long ago did you get that? Probably, I know I've had people say that to me. Um, I don't know, is it five, six, six years? Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's that been a so long time. Isn't that a great one? I am within. That is so awesome oh my gosh yes and it's easy to remember right well it's easy to remember <laughs> and then and then the challenge is to remember that i am the <laughs> i am the presence within that's the challenge right that's exactly exactly yeah yeah oh uh, wow i am so glad however you found uh, us i'm so glad I want to make sure our listeners know you are Athena Demetrios. Your book is called Walking Between Worlds, A Spiritual Odyssey. And the most awesome domain name ever, iamwithin.com. <laughs> 
Yes, and uh, we'll have to talk again because there's a plethora of subjects we haven't even covered. Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you for coming on this show. (laughs) Yes, I I really appreciate that. And if I could if I could say one thing. Absolutely. Okay. That um, if anybody is feeling the nudge to go back and explore, know that the master within you is the one that's nudging you. And know that your light can absolutely outshine any shadow in your world. And understand that the healing is a process and you'll get through it. You will get through it. But the end result, it's going to help you shine your light more fully because you are a gift to light. You are a gift to love. You're a gift to life. That's it. Thank you so much. All right. (laughs) Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Mental Health News Radio. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous. And they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you I can fight it. Good boy.